0: This is Tim Bounds, digital content editor for Carolina Weather Group. Welcome to episode 281. How the North Carolina Department of Transportation Difficulties between our panelists and our guests. This episode, a little bit of technical difficulties between our panelists and our guests during this episode. But we hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: So we welcome you again to show number 281, and uh, we will bring in our guests here. First of all, I want to mention mm-hmm. that a lot of North Carolina, not only North Carolina but South Carolina as well, has been dealing with a lot of flooding in the area. And so before we kind of have Steve introduce himself as of what he does, I'm going to ask you, Steve, how are the Carolinas, especially North Carolina, uh, fared uh, throughout this uh, past weekend's flooding?
2: A lot of them, uh, I guess you define what a lot is, got washed out. No, uh, Alexander County took the biggest hit, Catawba County, Watauga County as well. And then it was a sort of a big gap. And then uh, Wake County and Franklin County, there's about two or three roads in Wake County that Parts aren't there anymore, and there's a main road, a U.S. route, 401 in Franklin County, where the little river crosses, and we had a construction project there, which would have put new culverts in, but it was not in place in time. And uh, and that area got about seven inches of rain in three about three hours or so, and that road is gone, too.
1: But yeah, and so uh, as well as South Carolina today in the Charleston area, um, Evan, I'll bring you in because you were a student down there. I know you've been getting a lot of uh, pictures and alerts. Uh, Charleston area as well has seen a lot of rain and flooding today.
0: Yeah, even just starting this morning, they had some really heavy precipitation rates <clears throat> that just uh, overloaded the, the the water systems there. Uh, the water table is already so high that it causes issues. And th- even though it was low tide, uh, even though it was low tide, they were still backing up into the streets, and I uh, saw videos of cars uh, about buried halfway deep with water, as well as cars getting stranded out there and people wading through that water. So, not a good situation. I know at one point, I think the police were recommending, or asking, people of the area to uh, just stay, stay out of downtown. Uh, it is still raining there, although the flooding is not quite as severe as it was earlier this morning.
1: And James, you guys also not experienced really a lot of flooding over the weekend, but you uh, there in the Charlotte area, you guys have seen your bout of uh, heavy rain today, and I've actually seen some of those streams and creeks start to rise there.
3: Yeah, absolutely, Scotty. And if we take a look at our Carolina radar right now at this hour, you can see there's actually a band of heavy precipitation right along the Interstate 77 corridor, and it's pouring right here in South Charlotte. It's it's not severe, right? So it's like we talked about the other night on our flooding special. It's it's not containing dangerous winds or dangerous hail, but on an already saturated uh, soil and water system. You know any more rain we get at this point is that much more that'll have to flow from maybe where i am here in charlotte down through south carolina now to the atlantic ocean and we're watching that flood threat you know following our weekend rain event in the western north carolina now all that water working its way through the system scotty out towards the atlantic
1: yeah definitely so several uh, flood warnings uh, for river flooding in south carolina and that will eventually push off the coast so we'll see, see. they continue effects for the next few days, at least in South Carolina, as all this heavy rain moves from the mountains down into the coast. So we'll bring in Steve now. Uh, Steve, you honestly, you have had to deal with a lot of flash flooding over the past couple of years. Uh, but before we kind of dive into that, tell us about yourself, how you uh, got involved there with the DOT.
2: Well, my background is in broadcast, uh, both TV in Florida, North Carolina and some radio up in Pennsylvania. And, uh, TV life is not good in terms of having weekends off, nights off, holidays off. And I decided at that point in my career, it was time to get some of the Monday through Friday daytime schedule into my life. And I happen to know the people that were running the um, communications office at the DOT. They happen to have an opening and it's been a good fit so far.
1: And so Steve, a lot of us here at DOT, we may see in the during adverse weather, Uh, the snow plows come through and kind of plow some of the roads, or uh, during um, hurricanes and and flood events, you guys are out cleaning up some of the debris and and stuff like that. But uh, you guys do a lot of stuff. So before we kind of get into the weather part, talk to us a little bit about just what all you guys are responsible for there at the uh, Department of Transportation.
2: We are responsible for the basically the second largest road system in the country. It's usually Texas is always a little bit ahead of us. But uh, North Carolina is one of the states that doesn't have a county transportation system. There's no county DOTs for North Carolina. So we have 80,000 miles of roads that we have everywhere from the interstates, like 40 and 85 and so forth, all the way down to streets in subdivisions in some cases. There are responsibility. Um, Basically, the only roads in the state would be state roads. Obviously, cities and towns, the bigger ones, they have their own roads. You have private roads and you have federal roads but most of the big chunk of that is ours. So that's a lot of work to do. Uh, If you have a big wide snowstorm that covers the state, we very rarely, I can't even remember the last time that we were able to get to every road before Mother Nature helped out. So we have a lot of territory to cover.
1: Did not know about that. Uh, That's some fascinating stat stat though. Uh, We're number two. Um, Let's get into the weather part now. Obviously uh, you guys work with the... uh, North Carolina Emergency Management, you get weather updates and uh, we know about winter storms that are coming days in advance and hurricanes and even at mm-hmm. times flash flood events. So how do you guys there yep. at DOT, can you talk to us a little bit about the preparation? How how do you get this information? What what happens? How does it get out to each individual district and, and just kind of give us a, a heads up or, or what you guys do on a, when the weather is about to get bad for the Carolinas?
2: Well, as you said, we work very closely with emergency management and the governor's office and what uh, National Weather Service chimes in with this as well. And we get an idea, something's coming our way uh, by the winter storm or whatever. And we just start prepping ahead of time. Uh, if we want to start, since the floodwaters just hit there, you can't really plan for the floodwaters too much unless you know there's a lot of rain coming. You can stage equipment. You can make sure guys are in place where they can get to locations uh, we have a computer system called FIMAN, F-I-M-A-N, which is actually a public-facing website that projects flooding. And you might be able to tell in three days, you'll be at flood stage on this creek or in this river. And we use that more and more to sort of get an idea of what roads might end up being closed if we get a certain amount of rain. So we use that a lot to prep ahead of time. Um, if it's a big enough storm, and we know it's only gonna hit certain areas, we can move people, say, let's say it's gonna be something that's gonna come on the east part of the state, we'll start prepping and moving people from the west part to come in and ch- uh, chip in up to clean up things like that. So a lot of prepping, and that's for all the different weather, but especially for rain, uh, hurricanes as well, when you have flooding, um, it comes in very handy because we can project Don't send these people on this route for an alternate route or detour because in four or five hours It's going to be underwater. A lot of it is prepping ahead of time. A lot of it's learning from the previous storm Uh, Florence obviously was a huge hit for us and we're still recovering from that Uh, At one point we had more than 3,000 sections of roads that were closed either underwater or damaged or just staging Uh, We're going to have more equipment there, uh, culvert pipes that we're going to order ahead of time so we can get to these locations faster and to get the roads open again.
0: That's interesting because, as you just mentioned, that we have such a huge variety of roads in the eastern part of the state, both inland. But we also have the unique, uh, it's beautiful from a beach perspective, but it's difficult probably for y'all that we have barrier islands uh, that we have to deal with in places like Highway 12 out in the Outer exactly. Banks that have an overwash, not just in hurricanes, but also in nor'easters and those bigger coastal storms. What kind of unique difficulties uh, do you all find when you're out there and how do you kind of manage a terrain that's constantly changing?
2: Well, that part is part of the thing that we stage. If we know a nor'easter is coming or a hurricane is coming, we will head, send out bulldozers and other equipment and we'll get them lashed down and safe and also have people down location because you mentioned nc12 gets cut off a lot the sand comes up over the overwash is there but if we're on the opposite side they can start clearing things uh part of the road is gone you may have to put stone down thing is to get the road open a lot of times it's a temporary fix and we'll go back later um it can be frustrating if hurricane or north because the high tide here comes the flood water pushing sand and then when the low tide goes out we're out there trying to clear the road and then the high tide comes in it could be like that over two or three days um it's just the unfortunate way the outer banks are made up in certain areas if you've been down there you just need a big thing and that thing has been very big for us um even on Ocracoke, coke we'll send people before we shut down the ferries because they're all if it's going to be evacuation order we're not going to send our people down there and that's another big thing is we're not going down there to ride out the storm. We're gonna wait till the storm is gone because safety is our number one priority for both the public and for our own crew members. And what we have sometimes is wait till the water drains away because there's not much you can do.
3: Steve, it's James here in Charlotte. I'm going to go ahead and hop in. We're, we're losing your internet connection a little bit. And I know before the show, we were talking about the the weather rolling through. I'm not sure how much of that might be controllable or not, if there's a way to scoot closer to the Wi-Fi or something. But I'm um, just yep. hopping in to, to let you know and uh, letting our viewers know mm-hmm. that if they're seeing that at home, that's a, a little bit what's what's going on. Yep. Um, should I proceed with the next question or do you want me to give you a second to, uh, to troubleshoot?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's go for it.
3: Okay, so uh, we were talking a little bit about how you guys prepare, and, and I want to move that ball forward by uh, understanding a little bit of your operation during the event, uh, and also mm-hmm. leading up to uh, in the moments before. So um, if if you can give us a little insight both into maybe what goes on in what I imagine is some sort of um, emergency command post that you, you all would be stationed in. Um, but also, I, I should also mention, we'd be interested to know um, how you all prepare uh, the roads and things for maybe evacuations. We've seen it in your counterparts in South Carolina recently where they turned the roads around. I presume that you guys in North Carolina have a very similar plan of action that maybe can be put into place?
2: Well, we don't have, we don't do reverse uh, evacuation. We have many more routes to get out of, especially the Southeast part of the state um, from Wilmington. We have an interstate uh, 40 down in Wilmington. We have US 74, which is like an interstate. We have other routes. We're uh, in the process of converting U.S. 70 to an interstate all the way down to Moorhead City. So we have a lot of other ways to do that. So we have evacuation routes in terms of getting out in certain ways. Um, but you basically, and working with the Highway Patrol Emergency Management, in fact, I have a meeting tomorrow to discuss that for hurricane uh, preps and so forth and how we get the word out. And that's a lot of coordination. Uh, because the state doesn't order evacuations. It is ordered by the local emergency management, each county. So we're working with them to not wait to the last minute and all of a sudden you have tons of people trying to get out at the same time. The big thing is to get out as soon as you hear something's coming and spread out the people leaving. So that part of the evacuation and then that's a lot of highway patrol um, and some of our people controlling the roads and closing off access to some of the roads if everybody's headed out west Towards forty, and then they can go either way, any way they want to. Um, but the rest of the prep work for us is basically planning ahead, making sure we have supplies, um, making sure we have um, tons of uh, signs blocking off roads, you no know, turn around, everything we can get there to keep once the roads closed to keep them that way.
3: Fabulous. That's good to know. I didn't realize actually the way that the, uh, the two states vary there in their policies for evacuations. You bring up a good point about all those those routes and things that uh, we're, we're fortunate to have here in North Carolina. Um, I shouldn't have bundled the uh, the questions. So let me circle back because I kind of hit you with two questions at once. Can you walk us through a little bit of, of how you maybe monitor either those evacuations sure. or, or how things play out in real time during a storm?
2: Sure. There is a joint information center at the um, it's where the national guard headquarters is for North Carolina. That's uh, where emergency management is. It's right outside of, it's in Raleigh. It's over by where the PNC arena and NC state football stadium is. It's a big high tech fancy building and representatives from all the state agencies. You can imagine that be involved in storm and recovery. We're there. That's where the governor does his, uh, storm updates. Um, and there's people there 24 seven for as long as it takes. I, I think, uh, Mike Sprayberry, the head of the emergency management, was there for like 15 straight days, never left uh, one of the last big storms. Uh, The communications folks are all there from different agencies and working 12-hour shifts, and we have database so every local government can enter information into that and keep track of things like shelters and roads and health concerns and you know, power outages and working with Duke Energy and hospitals and everything. So there's a giant command center at this location. Um, and that's where the headquarters really is for all, anything, um, any emergency, whether it be weather related or even a terrorist attack or anything, that's the headquarters.
1: And so steve will transition from the tropics to another thing that you guys really have to deal with here in the state of north carolina and uh honestly i'll say it probably varies from the west to the east uh part of the state and that's winter storms you know the the boone area they're used to the snow up there yep. dot it seems like they probably work non-stop up there but as we get off into uh, the Piedmont, where Hickory, Charlotte, Greensboro, Raleigh, and then even down east, it, it probably a little uh, varies a little bit. So tell us about how you uh, do the preparations. I know a lot of things. Uh, go into the winter season. You guys, I'm sure, do a lot of meetings. So kind of talk about those meetings, what you do before the storm, and then uh, maybe we can start with um, right before the storm. I know you guys uh, add a lot of the uh, the salt brine. Maybe tell us a little bit about that product, and right. and then how you go throughout the winter storms.
2: Sure, the prepping actually starts in November when we have uh, different maintenance crews double check their equipment, make sure everything's working properly, make sure blades are sharpened and everything. Um, All our counties, all 100 counties have salt supplies and those are restockpiled after the last winter storm in the spring. So basically they're just sitting there in huge barns and locations and so forth. We have contracts with giant suppliers that come in by tanker ship and tractor trailers that can haul the salt back when it happens. So when a storm is coming, whatever way it's coming, we start watching and watching. And salt brine is our biggest weapon now. Uh, we didn't have that ten years ago. But salt brine is a about a twenty-two percent salt water solution. Each of our counties has their own salt water making uh, equipment, so it doesn't cost that much, and it's just water and the salt that we would put on the road straight. And we can go out up to 48 hours before a winter event happens if it's not raining, cause it just washes off and we'll go out and we brine the interstates first, that's the primary. And you go back and forth, the interstates, then divided us routes. And quite often we don't have time because we have so many roads to go much further. We might hit some key bridges. We might hit some key sharp curves and the ramps and so forth, because the same guys that are putting the brine down are the ones that have to come back out with the plows. And clear things out and you've got to give them a break before the winter event actually hits and then when the winter event hits we work people on long shifts they'll come in overnight day just depends when the storm comes in and they go out and they, they clear the roads the same way we brine the interstates have to be cleared first so we may be on an interstate making dozens of trips if it snows for eight hours we're going to be plowing that interstate for eight hours once it is clear and there's no more snow coming we can go up to the next row, the US routes and so forth. We call it our bare pavement policy in which the busiest roads are gonna get the treatment first. And then we work our way down to uh, NC routes and then the state routes, and then in the subdivisions and things like that. And we will go basically until the roads are clear or as I mentioned earlier, till mother nature helps melt it and gets rid of it
1: and so steve we were talking about this before the show um a question that's been asked to a lot of weather folk and me included is is there a certain temperature where the products don't work and i learned before the show there actually is so can you share that with uh, with our viewers
2: tonight exactly uh salt brine and salt itself doesn't melt anything when it gets into the t- mid to upper teens um just depends if there's been a cold cold time before that because of the ground's been cold or just got warm one day and it turned cold real quick. But when you get to the mid teens, we don't go out and salt. We don't put brine down because it doesn't do anything. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of our manpower and people can be resting to get ready. Um, and that is a big issue. And they are always looking for something that'll work in those cold temperatures. Uh, some folks may remember a few years ago, we had a deep freeze over several days and, um, we couldn't do anything because you can't plow ice. So we had to sit and wait till it actually warmed up. And then we could go back out with salt and that loosens the ice a little bit. Then we can plow. We have uh, uh, different kinds of equipment to go out, uh, bigger trucks going out. And if you have salt on ice and you have heavy, heavy vehicles, it crunches the salt into the ice, helps melt it a little bit, and then we can plow it. But if we get a deep freeze, which we don't very often, and in this case, I don't even remember if it was four or five days. It never got above 20. That's gonna that's bad for us.
1: And, and Steve, something you guys also experience, um, not only clearing the roads, but um, you also help in the process of tree removal. If there is a ice storm or a snowstorm and it causes trees to come down, you guys are one of the first ones to get out there with the local fire departments and stuff and help cut those things out of the
2: road. Exactly. If we're trees down and we have a lot of contractors who just come out in the trucks and to cut up trees, one of the issues we have to be careful with, a lot of times when a tree goes, it takes power lines. And we won't touch it. We don't do power lines. And that's why a lot of times it takes a while to clear road. We could be standing there right by a tree, but we have to wait till the power company comes out and at least cuts the power. And they are equally, they're spreading out and there's spread thin on a especially a statewide snow event like we have quite often um and even even a, a rainy event you know uh we had a tree for the interstate that goes around raleigh at six o'clock in the morning a tree came down and shut down one of the uh, two main roads or two main lanes in that road just the other morning so that we have uh and that's one of the things we prep with to make sure the chainsaws are all working make sure the chainsaws are loaded in the trucks and uh, the, and as you know, in some storms, thousands of trees will go down.
1: Definitely, I have a c- couple more quick questions about the winter weather, and then we'll transition more into some flood and landslides. Sure. Um, how do you, first of all, I'm going to ask this question because I think it's probably pretty similar. Um, you know, sometimes we get ice events around here, more ice storms, freezing rain, and and sleet. Is is that? different than just an all snow event for you guys or how does that treat it if we see more of a freezing rain than a snow event
2: that's a little trickier because sometimes it comes in as rain the temperature drops we can't go out on brine if it's raining because it just washes away and the brining is so important when it's cold weather because the brine basically is the salt water solution, it dries. So we have a layer of salt sitting on the roadway. It keeps the frozen precipitation from adhering to the road, makes it easier to plow. But if you have a sleet thing and it's gonna be like 34 degrees and it's gonna be raining stuff, sometimes we'll go out and just take a chance and put down the brine because it doesn't cost that much to make. It's just salt water that we make ourselves. We don't buy it from anybody. And salt is relatively cheap and water obviously is And so that's those are the trickiest things, also because if it's uh, icy out and people are out on the roads, you know, usually you know, every the media, the governor, everybody says, stay off the roads, but people go out, a lot more crashes if it's icy. And if there's a crash in the roadway, we can't plow that roadway. We have to wait till that gets cleared, and that holds things up, which is a big reason why the messaging is always, don't go out, please don't go out. And we know people go stir crazy after a few days, and they, they need to go out, but we really need cooperation from the people in those kind of cases.
1: And my last question, I think we, we kind of asked this during what we were talking about hurricanes. I normally see more of our snow events in the mountains and, and foothills. Mm -hmm. So if, if we're expecting a bigger winter storm, um, I know you said when, when they're expecting tropical systems, you send folks down east from the west. Is that the opposite? I mean, when we see bigger winter weather events, do you send some folks from your east eastern counties to your western counties?
2: exactly you No, know, down east as you mentioned they don't get much snow but if you get buried you know, with you no know, 20 or just tons of snow we will start sending people and we might even come out you know we book hotel rooms in advance so they have a place to stay and we we do a lot of logistical work having food ready having equipment ready having fuel ready and you'll see sometimes you'll see a whole fleet of dot trucks heading west towards the mountains and It's just a share. We're all one group, broken into 14 geographical divisions and uh, multiple counties. And you have areas, uh, as we discussed earlier, that some parts on a region, say around Charlotte, it may snow in the northern part of Charlotte, up towards all the way up towards Statesville, and you may not have anything below. We'll shift crews within the division from place that doesn't really need them, and we'll send them where they're needed to be. So it's a it's a one big group effort if it has to be.
0: If you know, there are any of those weather conditions that have really affected us here in Western North Carolina where I'm located over the last year, I think the biggest one would be the flooding. Um, we, we had one winter weather event like Scotty was talking about last December, uh, but really since last May, there's been uh, five or six major flooding events uh, prolonged over you know, the course of a week um, that have led to some huge flash flooding issues. I know there was a big issue on I-26 down near the North Carolina. Uh, south carolina border um how do y'all deal with flash flooding because obviously that's not anything you can't really predict that you can't stage for that how do you i guess react to it
2: We react to it basically you have to stand by until the water goes off the roadway you know you, we presume though if it's a roadway underwater, water we've closed that road and uh, that's a big thing we constantly have to urge people um, even when the water goes and it looks like the road's fine don't go around the barricades uh, because we've had instances the asphalt's still there but there's nothing underneath we even had one in wake county that we thought we'd have a road fixed this week we sent an excavator out and it sank because there was it got on the asphalt and it was heavy enough and it just dropped down because the ground underneath it had been washed away so when we close a road even if the water's gone we have to visually inspect it to make sure it's safe and we have people on site we can't guess they have to be there and they'll see hey the shoulder's gone but we can open this lane or uh oh there's nothing there and that's big safety thing because we've had people who have gone around barricades and have died, and that's a problem not only in North Carolina. They have situations in South Carolina have gone through the same thing. So when there's a flash flood, the big thing is um, making sure the road is safe. If we do see the road, get it open as fast, as quick as we can. There are many cases after Hurricane Florence, we put a temporary fixes in and got the road open at least, and then we go back to do permanent repairs later on. There's a lot of times we're changing the size of a culvert underneath because most times it's the culvert that gets blown out from the sheer volume of water. And culverts sometimes have to be custom made. So it's not something you go down to Home Depot or Lowe's and pick up a new one. So we will make every effort to get a road open temporarily and it may just be dirt and gravel. So you may be, especially on a two lane road, you may just go over, dirt and gravel, bump, bump, bump for a little bit. And then when the the weather's better, when we have the supplies, we'll go back and put a permanent fix in. So the key thing is getting the road open and making sure it's safe.
0: I think we saw a good example of that last May or June, late May, I think, when on I-40 there was a huge landslide. And I think James is playing the footage now. There's a huge landslide that affected all, but maybe one of the lanes on uh, I-40 westbound going up and over the continental divide. Uh, there was a culvert blown out, I believe, further mm-hmm. down the mountain, as well as this. How do y'all deal with these bigger landslides? Because obviously, that's that's an even larger issue uh, than just kind of a, a dip in a road. That that's a substantial. You got to
2: move a mountain to fix it. Exactly. We we just had one last weekend, in which uh, Forty Westbound was closed, and you no know, traffic gets backed up. That particular one last weekend, that last exit in North Carolina is at mile marker seven. Unfortunately, this was at mile marker seven and a half. So anybody who went past uh, exit 15 was trapped there for many hours. And even if we turn them around, it's about a 50, about a 50 mile detour because the only way to get around there is to send them up um, I-26 up to 81 and back down again. So what we have to do in the case of the slide like that, we have our um, engineers and we have the people that go up the mountains and they'll determine, hey, is there more we have to knock down we may have to create a small slide of ourself. It depends on how much damage comes down. Uh, the one on 40 last year also damaged the road. So you not only had to haul away the boulders and all the rocks, they need to fix the road. And also you need to fix the mountainside to make sure nothing else comes down. So we sometimes use netting, sometimes there's fencing, not but metal fencing that will catch rocks and so forth. And that's always gonna be a constant problem. Um, Again, just as I said, a few days ago, we had that same issue. Luckily, they got one lane open in about uh, five or six hours because it was small enough that the road wasn't damaged. But we got all the rocks out of the way, got one lane open, and then they worked through the night. And also the next morning, they went and inspected it to make sure we don't think anything else is coming down off the mountain at that location. Because obviously that would be just a horrible tragedy. You open the road, and all of a sudden another slide comes down, this time with traffic on it. Um, the, the one last year you referred to, there were cars that were hit. Luckily, no one was hurt, but, you know, there's that's a very dangerous situation, and that's just an unusual one that the mountains have, and not just on 40, but se- several other roads.
0: Uh, I know those closures can last for a long time. You said that the one last week in the lasted for five or six hours um, the, last year, around the same time frame as the I-40 one there was a highway 9 I believe out in um, Rutherford or Rutherford County has uh, been was closed down for eight or nine months um, because of a very large landslide
2: and we had one on 40 I don't don't remember how many years ago that was for three or f- it was months because it also happened in the winter time and that restricts when you can't be sending people up in the snow and trying to figure out what boulders might be coming down so that was a long long uh agonizing for us and i'm sure for any travelers there because they had that long detour route.
0: that's great info thank you i'm gonna to toss it over to scotty i think he's got some information to have us share okay.
1: thank you for that um evan our last question for you steve uh, i know we're coming up on the nine o'clock Is for folks who live here in the carolinas or maybe traveling through north carolina um how can they keep up with up-to-date um, road conditions is there an app that you guys have or a website that you wanna promote. And then second of all, something that I've noticed, and this is, I don't know if it's really a question, but it's a pat on the back. Um, I've mm-hmm. noticed where I live here in, in, in Burke County, Uh, We have these information signs every, I don't know, every 20 exits or so. And I've noticed the past couple of winters, Mm -hmm. it'll say winter storm warning or uh, flash flood warning for this area. So I just want to say pat on the back. Thank you for Mm -hmm. that. Uh, That's a great messaging tool for for folks who may not have an idea of what county they're in or they hear a warning, but they don't know if it's for that area. So is that something we're going to continue seeing in North Carolina? And then, again, kind of back that up with how can folks get information about the roads in, in North Carolina?
2: Sure. Uh, we have a very high tech state transportation operations center. We have the big one is in Raleigh. There's one in Charlotte. They're going to open one in Asheville sometime this year. And there's one in the triad and they're the ones that monitor the cameras. Uh, the location in Raleigh can look at 800 different cameras from all over the state to see issues. And they're the ones that send out what they call uh, what they're called Tim's reports. They tell you about every crash, any road closure, any construction project. And that is all on our website. If you, dr- if you go to drivenc.gov and you can use drop down menus to look at it by region, by the route number, by the county, and you can see ahead. You know, you can look if you're going on I 40, you can go and look and say, hey, there's three construction projects, or this weather is going to affect this because it's covered in snow. We also have about 32 Twitter accounts that you can sign up. And all those Tim's alerts that go out by email and get posted on the website—they also go out as tweets. And if you go to Twitter, there's one for the uh, for the Charlotte area. There's one for I-40. There's one for 85. There's one for Triangle Triad. There's one for Asheville. And you can sign up and get messages that way, um, and the website as well. Um, in emergencies, we have a 511 system, like other states do. Uh, emergency situation comes you can call five one one, and depending on when the time of day it is you'll get a recording and you'll be one of those that you you know say it into the phone i-40 and it works its way through but in emergency situations like florence and things like that we actually have live operators 24 7. so you call said hey i'm trying to go to an i-40 to get through asheville how's the road they will look up on that same website drive nc and they'll provide that information to you. So there's a variety of ways you can go. Obviously if you're home or you have a passenger in your car cause you don't want to be looking at your phone while you're driving, you can go to Drive NC and check on things. Um, otherwise, you know, Twitter's a good, if you get a Twitter feed, you'll get a lot of information on that and it'll have detour information. That's also what's going to be on the Drive NC site.
1: Very cool, and I will say I use that those Twitter feeds a lot. I love love that information. So that that's a awesome thing you guys do do. Steve, I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us tonight. Uh, we hope that you have a fairly calm tropical season as it is right around the corner. And good luck with yep. uh, the planning. I know you said you're starting some meetings tomorrow, so uh, ho- hopefully those will go well for you.
2: We're cat, you know, we're catching up on hurricane working with the Highway Patrol and everybody, so everybody's on the same page. Because you know, the hur- a hurricane could show up next week or the week after, for all we know. Hopefully, we won't see any until next year when we have even more things in place.
1: That's it, that's it. We're hoping for a quiet season. We'll, we'll, uh, Steve, stick around if you want to. If you need to hop off, that is perfectly fine. Again, uh, I'm good. We, we thank you for your time tonight. I am going to uh, toss it over to James Briarton, who has a couple of weather headlines for us, James.
3: Thank you very much, Scotty. A couple weather headlines for you this evening on this June the 12th, 2019, before we sign off. First and foremost, National Weather Service and NOAA updating their flagship weather model. The GFS model, the Global Forecast System, is now using a new engine if you will it's called the fv3 and you may remember that they tried this a couple months back during some testing and there was a cold bias and you can see that conversation playing out right here on twitter and the national weather service is telling us that there was a incorrect calculation in one of the original runs of the uh, new model and that has been fixed to account for that cold bias so what do we get with this new gfs model because again All these computer models, whether it's the GFS, the NAM, or the Euro, when we're showing them to you here in the Carolina Weather Group, we're showing you visualizations of some very complex computer modeling. And all of this should lead to more accurate weather forecasting, the National Weather Service tells us, including things like hurricane intensity, Five-day forecast should see some improvements and even maybe things like uh, the rain, snow, precipitation lines uh, as we head towards next winter. Uh, We talked a little during this hour about uh, flooding and certainly was a big flooding weekend in western North Carolina. And as we mentioned, all that water now making its way out towards the Atlantic Ocean. So many of those rivers and streams now flowing through South Carolina. This tweet from Governor Henry McMaster saying that they were out this weekend doing some cleanup, uh, not only to recover from previous events, but to mitigate flooding issues for future events and they're still looking for volunteers. You can see a web address there on your screen if you're interested and live in the South Carolina area and want to go help uh, clean up some of those waterways because we're still gonna have a couple more days here. We're gonna be watching higher than usual water levels making their way out towards the uh, water. We had some flooding today along coastal South Carolina. Uh, This not necessarily related to that water coming down the stream, but rather water coming from the sky as additional rains continue to fall today in Charleston. Here's this picture from Instagram of the Charleston city market and just at this particular moment in time you can already see it's ankle deep and i think more rain came in after that if i'm not mistaken national weather service in charleston telling us they set a new record daily maximum rainfall amount in downtown charleston today so on this june the 12th the record rainfall is now 3.82 inches Uh, that beats the record previously set in 1962 of just over an inch and a half. And last but not least, hey, we got this tweet today. We wanted to show it to you from friends of the show, Tim Buckley and Jason Boyer. Uh, they're heading out uh, there at the AMS uh, Broadcasters Conference, and they sent this tweet to say hello.
1: And we are saying hello right back, Scotty. I'm jealous. They're in San Diego right now. Ooh, <laughs>
2: <bet> <laughs> I you the saw-
1: it is i saw some uh, tweets from uh, tim buckley and uh, the weather look out there is perfect so uh, hope that jason and tim and everyone else who is out at the uh, ams broadcast conference are having a good time i've seen some interesting information being shared some good information so looking forward to uh some of those studies being put into reality so uh here in the carolinas we are wrapping up a busy week of flooding uh weather-wise this weekend it looks like it's actually going to be a nice weekend with some lower temperatures in the 80s for both North and South Carolina and a little bit less humidity. So I think after uh, the rainy period we've had, I think we're all ready for that. Um, To wrap up tonight, next week we will have on with us Eli Jax. He is the uh, program leader for the Hazard Simplification Program. Basically, what this is, is in the next few years, we're going to see a new shift in the uh, way that the National Weather Service issues warnings. And so Eli will be joining us to kind of give us uh, some background information on why this is changing and some of the early testing of these warnings. So some good information coming next week from Eli Jackson. We look forward to that. And then uh, we will close out the month of June with Victor Genesidi, Victor, a friend of our show you may have heard may have not but if you're in the weather world you probably have uh victor as well as uh one of his counterparts uh, harold brooks has been uh conducting research on how tornado alley may be shifting from the central plains more into the deep south including parts of the carolinas and so we'll have victor on to discuss his findings and maybe how that is really coming to reality so an interesting show there so we welcome uh, you to follow us on our Uh, Social media pages, our Twitter page, at Carolina WX Group, and on our Facebook page. And you can find us on all of your podcast uh, platforms. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts. If you just hop in Carolina Weather Group, then you will find us. And we also ask you to uh, subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, not only do uh, you, not only can you see previous shows, but we'll do live specials as well, like the one that James and I can, uh, conducted last Saturday or Sunday night during the flooding. So again, we thank you for watching the Carolina Weather Group. We hope you have a fantastic weekend, and we will see you back here. For another episode of the carolina weather group next wednesday night with eli jacks have a good weekend
0: hey this is tim pounds digital content editor for the carolina weather group we hope you enjoyed today's show be sure to check out our weekly live stream every wednesday at 8 15 p.m eastern on all the major streaming applications such as facebook youtube periscope and twitch just to name a few Additionally, be sure to catch our weekly podcasts that are published on your favorite applications such as Anchor.fm, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Apple Podcasts. Stay weather aware, drive hands-free, and have a wonderful day.